Dog them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. This is Hour 3 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what that means? Do you? We're underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side... for the Big Dog Sports Talk Power Hour. Basketball husband was playing this over the weekend. I had not heard it in a long time. The great Don Williams had this song as well, but this is a very nice live version of uh, Tulsa Time by uh, Eric Clapton from the Just One Night album. 639-4900, text line 744-2990. We'd love to hear from you wherever you might be. We want to wish a uh, very happy birthday to uh, my good friend, longtime broadcast partner, Jeff Kleppen. Klepp's birthday is today. So, Kleppers, happy birthday. I don't know whether Klepp's listening or not, but those of you who can tell him I wished him a happy birthday here live on the radio. <laughs> Uh, Joe sent in a text message. I agree with the last texture. The bottom line is this. I didn't really care about who won the game, but as a fan, boy, how great would it have been to see the Eagles with a chance to at least tie the game with a field goal late, maybe send it to overtime. The officials took that from us. Jerry writes in, Rick, I agree with you. Why in the world is that the time they decide to throw the flag? And you're right. There were several times where guys were almost pulled to the ground they let go. But in that instance, at that point, the officials have to make better judgment just like they do in the NBA. Ha, you're welcome, Clef. 
He was listening. Good. Made me very happy that he heard that live here on the on the radio. Now, I work with uh, Frank West down at Radford, and he is a full-fledged Philadelphia sports fan. I mean, he is a true blue guy. He and I, we were back and forth frequently during the baseball playoffs, his Phillies and my Padres. Of course, his Phillies eliminated my Padres. Bastard. <laughs> And Frank's in this end. The Eagles did not lose the game because of the call. The defense was awful, and you can't let them get a free score with that fumble. It's just a terrible way to lose a game because that call was not made all night. Exactly, Frank. And thinking about you, man, I really was. The first thought I had when that call was made was, oh, Frank, that's awful. And again, you don't have a problem with it if the Chiefs end up winning the game anyway. Which could have happened. And nobody's saying it couldn't have happened, right? Nobody's saying that that call meant that the Chiefs, the only way the Chiefs were going to win was that call. I think people are transferring their own, I don't know, irrational (laughs) reasoning or lack of being able to reason. I'm just going to state it again. Here's Here's the situation. You're welcome, Rodney. Said thank you for playing the man, Eric Clapton. You know, I've been taking requests, Rodney. Anybody has requests? I got yelled at by Kiss fan, <laughs> so I played Kiss. I got yelled at by uh, Skinnerd fan. Been a while, and then I thought, let's just finish it off with some Eric Clapton today. <laughs> um, here's my take, personified. And I'm coming at it as, yes, I'm a Broncos fan. I don't want the Chiefs to win a Super Bowl. But that that has nothing to do with the call. If it's called throughout the game at least two, maybe three times, I'm probably not sitting here even thinking about it. The reason it's highlighted is because that was the first holding call back-to-back. Back-to-back years. It happened last year in the Rams game. Wasn't as much fanfare about it because I think it was even more of an obvious hole. If it's called one or two times, great. They called it when they needed to call it. But the fact is that was the first time in that situation which allowed the Chiefs to run the clock down to win the game. If it's a call then, it was a call the other times when the cameras showed how much it was going on on their other replays of, you know, plays that you weren't even looking at the holding, but you could still see it. You had sent a message to the players in the secondary, we're going to leave, we're going to let it go today. We're going to let you play a little more freely today. So you do that for 60 minutes or you do that for 58 minutes and then all of a sudden you decide to change the way you're calling the game. That's my problem. It's much like a college basketball situation where you let things go in the post you may let some things go off screens and then all of a sudden you decide to make that call when the game is on the line and that's where it's bad officiating i still have people saying hey the guy said he held him that that's not even in the argument you're not even i'm not even arguing whether it was a foul or not by rule it was a foul you can get into the whole five yard thing all you want to but if it was a foul then that cost the, uh, the Eagles the ability of getting the ball back and doing anything, then it was a foul in the first quarter. 
when they grabbed Goddard's jersey coming across the middle, but he still made a catch, or when Eagles secondary was grabbing Kelsey and Schuster earlier in the game, then it's a foul then too. That's all. That's all I'm saying. And I think that's what people – and then we would have had what? 38-35. And at that point, man, this might be the greatest Super Bowl ever. Then the Eagles get the ball back with Jalen Hurts, who, barring that fumble, fumble aside, was playing great. Then we've got 80 seconds to see if they can get down the field. And then we're all just on the edge of our seat. And you want to talk about going into the offseason one way or the other, whether the Eagles get it done or not, at least it would have been decided with the players. And that's what I kept dreading last week. I mentioned it, I don't know how many times. Let's let the players be the topic of conversation today. And it's not. And it's not just going to be with our discussion here. It's going to be on most shows that you talk about, other than the ones that are trying to protect the shield. And most of the people don't care whether it was a benefit uh, of the Chiefs or the Eagles. I think we're just looking at it from a fan's perspective. We didn't get to see the proper conclusion of this game. You could hear Greg Olson and the deflection in his voice. He, he's talked about how that's not a foul at that point. And now he even paused for a second. He said something like, and now this great game has been decided on that call, which he's right about. Doesn't take away from the fact the Chiefs shredded that Eagles top-notch defense. They did. Andy Reid had a brilliant plan. Nobody's, nobody's arguing any of that. People are bringing that up, and I'm not even... Yes, you're right. Absolutely. But boy, it would be nice just to have that set up, wouldn't it? To let the players decide it instead of a flag that had not been thrown all night. Polly writes in, Yeah, Polly, we've talked about it. You're right, man. National Anthem was great. I thought Chris Stapleton was great. Dude out there with his guitar, I think, he, I think he, he did it. He caught the emotions of it. They had the shot of Nick Sirianni crying. Jason Kelsey had tears down his face. I mean, it was emotional. It was. It always is in that event when you get it done right. Oh, by the way, Chris Stapleton sang the national anthem. He didn't lip sync it like Rihanna did her halftime. <laughs> oh, and he also played the accompanying guitar with it as well. Not unlike... Jeff Kleppen and Jeff Woods would have done if Jeff and Jeff were up there doing the anthem. They sure as hell would have been playing it and singing it. <laughs> uh, Jeff Kleppen, by the way, 32 years old today. I know, right? 32 years old. 639 Other than that, Pretty high-level football game. Andy Reid's brilliance on display. Patrick Mahomes, I don't know how badly his ankle was administered at halftime. He's denying that he took I don't know. Who cares, by the way, if they shot it up? That's what happens. Who cares? He's like, wow, I didn't get anything put in my ankle. Okay, so what? (laughs) Does it make you less of what you're able to do because they drugged up your ankle to where you could play the game. It used to happen all the time. It happens all the time. It still happens. Okay. Oh, Jalen Hurts played really well. He had the bad fumble. 
By the way, I had a texture. Who was this? Ronnie said, hey, they missed the call on the second fumble. No, they didn't. That wasn't a catch. Remember the second fumble Bolton ran in? You have to have two steps and then take another step. That's been the rule for a long time. He caught it. He may have had a step and a half, got hit, the ball came out. That was the right overrule. I'm just surprised. Well, I shouldn't say I'm surprised. But the officials missed that call. They missed that call. They thank goodness they got it right. All right. <laughs> My son just texted. Hey, Dad, guess what? The milk is chunky. Oops. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oops. I'll, I'll get I'll get some more milk, son. Not that he's listening. Well, you know, I was gone all weekend. I, I didn't check the date. <laughs> uh, went to make my morning cereal, and the milk had chunks in it. Ooh, ooh, sorry. I, I'll take care of that today. Dad of the year. My apologies. <laughs> that just struck me as funny. Middle of the show. Hey, Dad, Dad, Dad. The milk, the milk's chunky. Yeah, you don't want chunky milk. See, I'm not big on chunky peanut butter either. I don't understand it. I want my smooth, creamy peanut butter. There are people who like the the chunky. They even make a super chunky. Well, I know one thing we can all agree on. We might disagree on whether or not you like smooth or chunky peanut butter, but I don't think anybody is going to sit here and bang the drum for chunky milk out of the carton. That is not going to go over very well for, I think, most people. (laughs) Uh, Right? People will debate, well, I like to have my crunch in there. I like to have my peanuts with my... Okay. (laughs) Wayne says, please tell me turkey bacon is not in the fridge. No, that that is not an issue at my house. All the little snacks that we made and everything yesterday. Uh, real bacon. Boy, that would have that would have put me down for like state disciplinary measures. Okay, so you had the chunky milk, Rick. We can let that go, Mr. Watson. But uh, I understand that when your son discovered the chunky milk, he was also going to fix some bacon, and it was turkey bacon. Mr. Watson, I'm trying to set aside any judgment, but what the hell kind of household are you running there, Reiner? <laughs> and I would have had absolutely no defense. I, you know, you got me. You got me. I, I have to do better. You're right. You're right. I'll do better. Just give me another shot. I'll do better. <laughs> no, real bacon. Real bacon. Uh, made these little like chicken popper bombs you put chicken you wrap a little those uh, cheese sticks around it or you put the cheese stick i can't remember how yeah you do that and you get bacon i'll tell you what man that's some good stuff 
Good, good stuff. <laughs> Rick, did you have vegetables as well? You might as well tell me. <laughs> uh, Tim writes in, go ahead and just lay it on the line. Tell us you had vegetables, didn't you, yesterday in your Super Bowl snacks along with the turkey bacon. I didn't have turkey bacon. Now, granted, I let the milk slide. I didn't realize it was chunky. I don't drink a lot of milk, so that was on me. I'll, I'll, I'll rectify that today. But no, we didn't sit there, load up on a vegetable tray. Didn't happen. So, no. No, that did not happen. No, there weren't salad and veggie trays. <sighs> Is the veggie tray still in the fridge or did y'all finish that? No, Polly. Didn't happen. Not sitting there with celery dipping it into the peanut butter. I said, no, there wasn't turkey bacon, okay? And no, there wasn't just, I mean, as egregious as the call was at the end in terms of deciding the game, it would have been even more egregious if I had sat there and, yeah, boy, let's go in here and, whew, let's get some more of these uh, celery tomato poppers going. Hey, anybody got any more of the uh, broccoli wrapped in Brussels sprouts? No, that didn't happen. (laughs) All right, we'll be back. Stay with us. Don't go away. Getting your day started correctly with the finest sports talk known to all mankind. Pretty good. It's pretty, pretty. Big Dog Sports Talk returns next on WRAD. All right, so the text messages are still flying in. False accusations against yours truly about my Super Bowl snack menu yesterday. Now I'm getting a text message. Admit it, you were really watching Real Housewives instead of the game while you ate your veggie tray, weren't you? No! Hummus makes a good binder for broccoli. <laughs> Brussels sprout wraps for future reference. <sighs> Rick, we haven't thrown a flag all year long on your turkey, bacon, and veggies, but we got to throw one now. <laughs> That's from Eric. Ooh, Eric's going to Daytona. Really? That is cool. Have fun, Eric. Send us reports. Be safe. He's going down there for the uh, the big event, Daytona 500. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> See, the flag had not been thrown all year on my broccoli and Brussels sprout wraps, but then finally it came at the worst time on Super Bowl Sunday. They had let it go all year, and now the flag's being thrown by you, the listening audience. Well, I guess I deserve it. I'll be just like... Uh, <laughs> I'll be just like uh, the Bradford kid. You know, he admitted that he held. Well, you know, I, I had a weak moment. I decided to try to eat a little healthier. It's a good call by the uh, BDST listeners 
to call me out. Yeah, it was a good call. None of that happened. I had, I had chicken, I had, I had bacon, I had cheese. Um, you know, I, I had meat yesterday. Lots of meat. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. <laughs> Tim Thomas scheduled to join us from the Tech Lunch Fail here on a Monday. Hope you're well wherever you might be. You're not if you're an Eagles fan, or really, like the rest of us as football fans after that. We'll be back. minutes for the top of the hour here on this Monday. Hope you're doing well, wherever you might be. Ton of reaction coming in on the uh, text line about uh, everything that happened last night in the Super Bowl. We'll depart that right now. Joining us now, he is the founder and editor of the Tech Lunch Pail. His name is Tim Thomas. Tim, how are you? Good morning. Rick, I'm doing well. Hope you are also. I am. I am. And uh, let's get right into it. First of all, let's review the basketball weekend. And Tech, uh, you know, they're much better, aren't they, when they get the inside-out game going like that. I know it's great when they're knocking down threes, but Tech looks like they're complete selves when they play like they did on Saturday in South Bend. Yeah, that's been the strength of this team all year, Rick. You look back at non-conference play when they started off as well as they did, and it was built from the inside-out. It was built as a team that was a really good inside-scoring team, which I don't think any of us necessarily expected going to year that would be bigger strength, but that's the reality, and, you know, look, they. I think also part of it was they saw, they looked at the matchup, and Notre Dame is not a very good interior defense. They actually like that. Uh, if you look at the numbers there, they teach you like 52, 53%. They're outside the top 300, well, outside the top 300 in two-point percentage by opponents in terms of defense. So, when you have a matchup like that, by golly, go after it. And that is exactly what they did. They went after, especially the second half, and Grant Basile really took over down low with 27 in the second half. Uh, Justin Mutz played really well. Sean Padula, uh, five assists, zero turnovers. That's you, you will take that day from a point guard, regardless of the points he puts up mm-hmm. every game. Absolutely. Regardless. So, MJ Collins continuing to play well. Um, so, under Couture, very at a quiet, didn't have to do a whole lot, had, but you know the few shots he had was a lot to be played with. Obviously, a defense he might be a little disappointed in some ways, but I mean, you know, especially with Lisowski putting up 33 as well. Though I mean, he, him and Cormac Ryan were just shooting at an obscene rate from three and making some just bombs from deep. But yeah, you know, solid bounce back with code. Um, now you got to take at Georgia Tech on Wednesday, and then you enter this gauntlet where you put yourself in a position where you probably have to go 3-0. and um, Pitt, Miami at home, which is doable because those teams are at home, and then at Duke. Um, of course, I've seen some bracketologists who still have Tech in the next four out. I uh, saw one from guy who does USA Today, so 
Maybe, 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 maybe it's not that harsh. I, I could be wrong about that. I, I don't think I'm wrong about that. But yeah, so a good solid win. Get that finally get a road victory on the board at least. Tim Thomas joining us on the program, the editor and founder of the Tech Lunch Pail. And on the ladies, you know, we had Georgia Amar on last week, and uh, she is, <laughs> I mean, she is so much fun to watch. I mean, she was blistering yesterday, nine assists to go with her 25 points. And that is a, I think that's a statement win for Tech. I mean, the crowd was great, and boy, they just hammered Florida State from the opening tip yesterday. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure about this, but you know, she, you know, with the COVID year she has, and she just decided to take that when all is said and done. Of course, she could easily not take that because she could be a top, like a top ten, even deeper, you know, WNBA, um, you know, possibility. Though, you know, there is uh, plenty of potential. Um, yeah, for her to like that, you know, be that type of player, but she may have three years to go. She may still have three years in a tech uniform. Um, it's just, it's incredible the talent that she is. Um, or at least two years, I think, but two more years. Yeah, two more years after this one. And so it's incredible the talent that she's become, both the playmaker, the shooter. I mean, look, yeah, you sometimes there'll be some threes that you're like, okay, maybe not that one. But you know what? That's that's her style, and that's when, she, when she's shooting, you know, firing away. I think Kenny Brooks is satisfied because – there's a lot of more that she's going to make than she's going to miss. And, you know, she was phenomenal as a whole. That phenomenal first quarter yesterday, 34 in the first, against a top-20 team. Um, and then, like I said, from there, just, you know, hitting cruise control and winning by 14. Um, that was tremendous, you know, a tremendous performance. Another, a very good week. Now, NC State and Florida State both probably will fall out of the top 25 this week, but... Those are two big-time wins in the net. Good teams just in general, who are top 25 caliber teams, and also two great wins in terms of the net. Both top 20 Texas net has taken a big boost this week. Um, and after being you know, revealed as the thir- number 13 in the top 16 of the NCAA tournament's first rankings, therefore the, you know, the highest four seed, they are just adding to that and you know, big week at Duke at home, NC State at home. They're with the sweep this week, which, you know, you're playing at home. You know, they, if they're able to sweep this week, I think you'll be, I think you can be almost certain that this Virginia Tech team will be hosting NCAA tournament first and second round games here in a few weeks, which is just an incredible accomplishment. And they have a chance to get a two or three seed as well. Um, and, you know, even with Asha Wusu not being able to find her form yet, which you wonder if she will. Uh, but she still tries to recover from the numerous injuries and other medical things she's had to deal with over the past year. Um, what's clear is this team is Final Four caliber. Um, this team has the talent, has the playmakers, has the star power with Kitley and Amor and Taylor Sewell um, to make a run out of Final Four. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, I think they have what it takes now. They have to get there first, but I, I just when I see them play like they did yesterday, Tim, they look to me like the best team in the ACC. I don't care whether you're talking about Notre Dame or anybody else in that league. I think when they're on like they were, they're locked in, having fun. I mean, that team is. You're right. They they've got just like we said before the season. They have got Final Four potential. Yeah, and I think that Tech Duke game might be a preview of what we see in the ACC tournament final uh, on Thursday round two. What could be three? Um, because, yeah, they do some tremendous defense team. Tech's a great offensive team with some good defense as well. Uh, that's going to be a fun game on Thursday. 
huge game on Thursday. But, yeah, I absolutely think they can go win in Greensboro, the ACC tournament this year. Um, and they're going to need some help to try to win the ACC regular season crown. But this team is, you look at how they, you know, they weren't bad to start, but they weren't as spectacular at the point as high of level as they are now. Um, and they've really picked it up as ACC play has gone along. And like I said, look, I think everybody in America is going to be, who is in a one seed, going to be praying that South Carolina is not in their region. If South Carolina is not in Texas region, this is a team that can make the final four. No doubt. Well, let's talk. I don't know if you and I spoke about uh, Stone Schneider, but this is a great story. Um, I like the fact that we see the NIL being adjusted to help this young man out the way it needs to, right? He's coming to Tech. He's going to be a player, I think, on that team for his last year. He wanted to be part of an FBS squad. Guess what? He gets to come to Blacksburg. And I think this is a solid addition. I love the fact that the NIL is going to mean that he can actually make this move considering he doesn't have scholarship money. Yeah, this is a this is a creative way of getting it done to get a player and without affecting the numbers. Um, you know, of course, now things could easily change. If there's a spot open, I could easily see Tech bumping him up in part because, well, it's a one year deal. You know, he's only got one year left, and those numbers are pretty easy to make work. But yeah, you know, I think the fact he's a big time player. I mean, he's a three time FCS All American. I mean, that's you know. <laughs> That's pretty darn good then. Three-time SDS All-American. So he's a guy. Now, the fact that he's not going to be here to the summer, you know, does, I think, hurt some in terms of his ability that maybe, you know, in terms of the odds I put on his chances to be the starting Mike Linebacker. But it's going to be fascinating to see him thrown in as a Mike Linebacker that has loads of starting experience at that position. I mean, you have Alan Tisdale who's probably going to be involved with that. He's got plenty of starting experience, but not at Mike. Uh, you got Will Johnson. I think James McDonald's been talked about. Um, who knows if maybe they tried J.D. Keller there as well to try to figure out where they can fit him. Um, but you got to think, I, I, I got to think that he is going to be a guy who is going to be able to compete for the shot. Um, and he's, you know, look, the pedigree is there. The pedigree is undeniable. Yes, it is undoubtedly a jump going from FCS to the ACC. No doubt. But. When you have the proven production like a kid like Stone Snyder has, there's plenty of reason to be really intrigued with what his potential is. I think he's a 6'3", 240-pound linebacker. Right. This ain't a small linebacker either, and this should be, you know. So, like I said, it's going to be fascinating to see. And it might come down to a part what do you know, what does Brent Fry want in the Mike linebacker? You know, I don't know how good of a cover guy Stone Snyder is, per se, which could lead for a guy like an Alan Tisdale who brings more in the cover in coverage than Stone Snyder, who build size-wise uh, might be more of a run defense, you know, spy-type Mike linebacker. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see once he gets here this summer. Uh, and that's going to be a competition, I think, that's pretty clear now with Snyder's coming arrival this summer. Um, and that's going to be a competition that's going to go all the way through August. Um, you know, almost certainly will go all the way through August. It'll be... One of the, you know, after quarterback, it's going to be maybe, maybe one of the more fascinating position battles, the starting battles we see uh, this offseason protect. Well, one more sport I want to review with you, and um, Virginia Tech softball got underway in resounding fashion, scoring a lot of runs. The pitching seemed dominant. Your eyes on this team, uh, I know they have their own eyes set on the College World Series, don't they? Yeah. And uh, our writer, uh, our new uh, softball beat reporter, Connor Marty, had a nice little piece 
on TechOnSpell.com about, you know, their focus on trying to get there this year, get to Oklahoma City after coming oh so close. I mean, that was – I mean, I think we, we may have talked about the pretend, you know, that was just such a heartbreaking yeah. um, end last year um, against Florida. But, look, this team is – you know, took care of business, did exactly what they're supposed to do. We're going to learn a lot about this team this upcoming weekend. Lots of ranked opponents, the big-time preseason event. They have another one later on, but this is the biggest of them in Clearwater, Florida. Um, they'll be on ESPNU and ESPN2. They'll be on TV a few times, the ECC Network um, as well. This upcoming weekend with some huge games, Oklahoma State, UCLA, um, some others in there as well. And so we're going to really find out, is this another top five team or is this more like a top 10, 15 team? Uh, like I said, we're going to find out a lot about this team. Obviously, looks like a really good start. Some of these freshmen that they brought in look very good. Uh, Tegan Drunk at shortstop, Kylie Aldrich at being a catcher option for them. Um, obviously, shortstop Kelsey Bennett at catcher some as well. Um, Lindsey Gride is, you know, stepping in that number two pitching role with MLM League now being the ace. and. You know, clearly the uh, thing that had the uh, the pitch rule issue, um, it was, you know, get some time in the off season instead of trying to figure out of during the season, get some time to actually figure it out of the off season without the stakes of, of games going on. Uh, it seems like they figured that out. No illegal pitches this weekend. So it seems like they've got all of that sorted out as, they, as was the plan for Pete Moore. Uh, was the deal with it after the season? Let Lemley just pitch last year. Now we're seeing Lemley with that issue fixed, which is huge um, going forward. And I tell you, you know, you look at Bree Peck, you know, star third baseman, who was great as a freshman, and now is throwing, you know, having a, making her pitching debut. And look, I know Purdue Fort Wayne is probably not a, a softball powerhouse, last I heard, but throwing <laughs> a shutout, um, throwing a shutout in first career starts pretty good. And so. They have some depth, and there's a really talented freshman who I, it sounds like from DeMore's comments, may just redshirt this year anyway, Peyton List, um, who isn't even involved. So that's the other side of it is this program, DeMore is really building this up. He's putting together some great recruiting classes, and you're actually starting to see some depth. You saw it last year with having Lemley to go with Richard. Now you lose Richard, but you have Ryan coming in, Bree Peck can pitch some as well. They're starting to build up some pitching depth, and we saw that in the series against Florida last year, a program that's well, you know, been built over years and decades, really. Um, and Tech's starting to build that up, and I think that's something to be very excited about. And like I said, there's a great offensive core as well with Peck, with Cameron Fagan, with Emma Ritter, um, with Jamie Bailey. And you look at Tegan Thrones, who had a great, you know, out of that nine hole, had a great – debut weekend. Could she be a surprise like uh, Carson Martini was in some ways last year on the baseball front in terms of star freshman like, like the Carson Martini or on the women's side, Rebex last year. So going to be really interesting to see how this team continues to progress. And Tech Baseball kicks off this week as well. Both those teams are top 15 in the country. It's a fun little stretch here with four yeah. Tech programs actively going on right now in the top 15. And that's not counting the track and field, swimming and diving. That's got plenty of big And, of course, it'll all be covered in great detail, as always, with the Tech Lunch Pail. Tim, thank you very much, man. Great stuff. And, again, great coverage of everything going on Virginia Tech. And we look forward to talking with you again next week. Rick, I appreciate it. 
that hold last night. I know you probably talked about it. Plenty yeah, that. yeah. That that was, but you know, I saw it. I, I don't know, you know, in hindsight, I I should have gone with my first opinion. There had to be something earlier on at that play because you know Bradbury said, and you could see some angles now that Fox just didn't was wasn't looking at the right thing on their replays. It looked like. Yeah, I just the only problem, the biggest problem I had was if it's if you're going to call it, then why wasn't it a call earlier in the game? That's the first defensive holding call they had made, much like last year. And some of those replays revealed that there were worse holds going on throughout the game than that one. And then to call it in that instance, and especially when the flag came out a little late, I just think you got to let it go. That's the only thing I have. Yeah. And again, you know, and it's not argument. You're right. It's a flag. It's a flag. You're right. But they let it go the whole game. So, yeah, I said, well, I think, like I said, part of it is, I mean, I saw a picture of someone freezing the play about a second earlier from what the Fox booth was looking at primarily. Yeah. And it was like that first inside when he breaks back out before he turns up field seems to be where the hold may have actually been. Um, it may have been there, um, which, and I will give, I do give the refs credit. If they're going to call that a hold, they didn't call it pass interference. Too often, I think we see pass interference called when it's a not passing, not anything at all, or b it's not pass interference; it's defensive holding. So, you know, the person told me that is annoyed that defensive holding isn't called more instead of pass interference. Right. Um, you know, because defensive holding doesn't catchability, which I know some people have talked about. Catchability doesn't matter with defensive. Holding. Right. Right. So. All right, brother. Well, listen. Uh, great stuff as always, Tim. Have a safe week, man, and we'll talk to you next Monday. Appreciate it, Rick. There you go. That's uh, Tim Thomas. He's the creator and editor of the Tech Lunch Pail. He's covering all the sports. All they are, right? Every writer's got something going on. Softball, baseball starting, basketball programs. A lot happening. We'll be back to wrap up the show here on a Monday. Stay with us. Talking Highlanders, they're talking Hokies. What the heck are you even talking about? If it's local sports you seek, look no further, you found it. Don't you know? Talking about More BDST next on the WRAD Talk Network. This is Mike Leach. You're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Rest easy, coach. Along those lines, I put this up on the uh, BDST Facebook page. Lost a uh, dear friend and a great broadcaster late Friday night. Is Jeff Charles, a longtime voice of the East Carolina Pirates, former voice at Virginia Tech, passed away at the age of 70. He was actually traveling with the Pirates men's basketball team. They're getting ready to play Tulane. They had gotten finished with their evening practice. Jeff had always uh, taken time to walk around the arena and do his steps and so forth and then on the bus ride back he had complications with a heart attack and uh and lost his life and it's been a very difficult few days for everybody in the broadcasting community because jeff charles was uh not only a great broadcaster but a great man a generally good person the first guy i ever sent a demo tape to i was in blacksburg was jeff charles back when i was a youngster at radford university and jeff your legacy will be felt forever on to the next one, my friend. All right, everybody, enjoy the rest of your Monday. Great conversation today regarding the Super Bowl. 
We're loaded for bear tomorrow with Mike Burnup, Jermaine Farrell, David Smith, and um, Daquan Smith from Radford Basketball. A lot going on tomorrow. We'll see you then. Center for. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.